In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Well, good, good. How do, how, how do you say this? Well, hard, mate. Good morning, Cleveland. Go on and give it a go. Good morning, Cleveland. Well, it's about six out of ten for energy there, mate. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back with a show, and I'm here with Ian Right, Right, Right. Ian, mate, draft is nearly a month away. How excited are you? Yeah, we're starting to turn the page. We're getting close to the 30-day mark. There's big trades going on. Man, there's just – it officially almost is NFL draft season. Well, mate, let's just start straight with that that trade. A three-way trade, is that fair fair thing to call it? San Francisco, Eagles, and the Dolphins. Who do you think Who do you think came out the best out of that trade? You know, I almost think I have to give it to either – I would say the Eagles – probably won the trade the Niners with the second and the Dolphins I have to put them in third you know obviously it was a three-way trade the summary is the 49ers moved from 12 to three the Dolphins moved from three to 12 then back to six with the Eagles so by doing it they get Philly's pick in 2020 they get Philly's fifth I'm sorry 2021 so they're going to pick six overall in 2021 they're getting Philly's fifth rounder this year San Francisco's first and third next year and then San Francisco's first in 2023. The Eagles will end up getting the 12th pick this year, Miami's fourth in the Miami pick next year. So the Eagles ended up getting an extra one from Miami, whereas basically the Dolphins swapped their 2022 first-round picks with the Niners and then picked up a 2023. So that's kind of the recap. I like the move from the Dolphins to go from three to 12. I didn't like the move to go from 12 to six. It didn't make any sense. You're giving well, it, up. It does make sense though, mate, because that they're not in the market for a quarterback. So you might as well try to get draft capital. But you gave up draft capital to move from 12 to six. So once they traded with the Eagles, they had to give up an extra first. So now whoever you pick at six, is in essence worth two first round picks, you know, and you may remember, um, you know, when Benjamin Albright was on last week, he mentioned, we asked about Devonte Smith possibly dropping a little bit. And he said, he wasn't sure they get him out of the top three. Well, I think drafting him at three might've been a little over drafted. Well, now that the dolphins are sitting there at six, maybe that makes a little bit more sense because you've got to think now that the Niners have come up for a quarterback to use that much capital. So we're likely going to start the draft quarterback, 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 and that's fine, but now the Dolphins will have their choice of a wide receiver, but that wide receiver is going to, in essence, cost them two first-round picks because they had to give up a, another first to get to that pick. So it didn't make any sense for me. Stay at 12, and you're going to get a player that's you know, a, probably a pretty good player there. And you know, if you go back and look at these draft hits and busts and stuff like that, I don't know, just giving up that much capital to move up for a wide receiver, a non-quarterback, just seems a little ludicrous to me. Mate, just to be clear, though, Dolphins have gained a first out of this year. Yeah, they swapped picks next year with San Francisco and picked up a 2023 pick. Yeah, so okay, they got cool. a, they got a first round pick in two years. Cool. 
So that, but, that'd be useful. That'd be useful. It, it talks a little bit. I think wide receiver is the focus there. And if not, it'll maybe be the wide receiver tight end, Kyle Pitts, the kid out of Florida. Um, he's getting, he's, he's getting a lot of, uh, um, airtime, isn't it? He's, they're saying that he is going to be the best tight end of all history. Well, it's odd because he's not, he, I mean, he's, he's six foot five, two forty, So he's a big receiver who that plays tight end. But in the NFL nowadays, I mean, we see these big bodied receivers, the Kenny Galladay's of the world that are just bigger guys. You know, I'll be curious to see who drafts them and how they use them. But I mean, the guy is insanely talented. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. I'll just be curious to see what ultimately he ends up doing in the NFL. So how much different is he from a guy like a David Njoku? Obviously he's faster and a little bit more athletic, which is hard to say because Njoku is a freak athlete, but I'll just be curious to see where he goes and how they use him. Yeah. You got to remember they've already got a dolphins have already got a good tight end already in there though. Haven't they? Yeah. Mike uh, Kosicki, it, the kid out of Penn state. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching him in the combine and I was like, this guy is seriously good, but you know, how, how good has his been career since his combine? You know, he, the problem with Miami is just the up and down quarterback play. You know, gesicki has been a solid target, even in fantasy football, he's been a solid addition. Um, he's just a guy that's bounced back between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. So if the dolphins firmly believe in Tua and they go out and get themselves, maybe, you know, whether it's Devonte Smith or maybe it's Jalen Waddle, you know, to pair themselves up with Devonte Parker, you could be looking at a pretty good receiver core there. The problem is, is if Tua doesn't turn out to be anything, the dolphins are going to struggle in that sense, just because, you know, the quarterback is the, the gateway to success. And if you've got all these athletic guys and all these freak athletes on the outside, but no one really can get them the ball. I mean, last year, just look at what Brian Flores was doing. It was Tua in, Tua out. Fitzpatrick in, Fitzpatrick out. It was just, it was just confusing as hell what they did with them, with that quarterback situation. Yeah, well, look, we're not a Dolphins uh, podcast, um, but, but we're definitely saying this. So the four first draft round picks today are all quarterbacks. Depending on what Atlanta does, I, I feel confident saying the top three. I think the top three, I think both Jacksonville, the Jets, and the Niners are all going to take quarterbacks. Then I think it becomes a little bit of a wild card between four, five, and six. So, But I, I really do actually think that this may have a little bit of an impact on you know the Browns, right? Because we're talking about, in our position at 26, guys that are going to fall. And there's been a, you know, a run on Browns Twitter regarding – wide receiver at 26, you know, back on Friday, um, Jack and I actually it was on Saturday. Jack and I talked a little bit about, you know, we, we ruled out the three top guys. We talked about Kadarius, Tony, Terrence Marshall, Rashad Bateman. Um, then we touched a little bit more in your second round picks, Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore. Um, so we will touch a little bit. I just, I'm starting to think that the tides are swinging away from the Browns taking a wide receiver at 26. It just, at this point, you've got your top four. And, you know, I posed a question uh, to a guy on Twitter and we were going back and forth a little bit about, you know, Rashad Bateman and the style. Well, if Hollywood Higgins is coming back and he's your boundary, you know, wide out on one side opposite of Odell, well, then if you go and draft a guy like Rashad Bateman, are you taking Hollywood off the field? Because we know based on the percentages last year, the Browns aren't going to run a ton of four wide receiver sets. So where do these guys play? You know, I could maybe see them getting a slot guy on the inside, but ultimately if you're happy with Odell Higgins and Jarvis, there's not a lot of room out there for a rookie to come in and make that impact that they're, that they're 
having on other teams, the Justin Jeffersons, you know, the Jalen Ragers and the impact that guys like Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith are supposed to be making this year. So I think it really just kind of says the Browns are probably going to look somewhere else. Defensive end, cornerback, probably somewhere on the defensive side of the ball. But it does open it up to say, if the Browns do what they do last year, did they do what they did last year? There's a guy like a Donovan Peoples-Jones that falls, and all of a sudden now in the fifth, sixth round, you're looking at a day three wide receiver that maybe has some potential upside. So, you know, Paul, I know these are the guys you really like, these day three UDFAs, um, those type of guys that maybe have a little bit of a long shot to make the roster. Yeah, my, I absolutely, you know, you know when we got uh, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, I knew that, you know, I, I watched the draft and, you know, the people that, you know, were meant to be picked a lot earlier and they're still lingering. They're the people that I absolutely love, you know, in the drafts. And it really excites me that we could potentially pick these people up. And, um, but yeah, um, it's interesting about the wide receiver room, you know, like, yes, we need to bring a wide receiver in for the future, but it's, it's not a huge need for the Browns at the moment. Yeah, in my it's, eyes. it's what it's what we call a luxury pick, right? We've got pretty much our top four guys, you know, we've got that. So now you're starting to talk about that wide receiver five, six range. You know, now we're talking about the Kadero Hodges, the Jojo Natsons, um, you know, because once you get past Higgins and Deion, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think now we're talking about guys that can step in. So it really depends on what Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski want. You know, we've highlighted a lot of these smaller, quick receivers, you know, the Rondell Moores, the Elijah Moores, the Amari Rogers, these type where they're just small two, two Atwell's another guy that we talked about a little bit, but there's a couple of guys in day three that I want to touch a little bit on. You know, we talked a little bit about Nico Collins, who was Donovan Peoples Jones's running mate over there at Michigan. Like I said, he said the stupidest thing in the world that Ohio state and Michigan had equal talent, even though they've been throttled for a decade, that's fine. I'm willing to forgive him if he can come in and show some of that talent that he had when he was highly recruited going into Michigan. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to break up a couple guys here that have a little bit different body styles, because again, we're talking about not necessarily skills within the same. So like if we're comparing the style of Rashad Bateman versus Higgins, we're just saying that these guys are outside corners. They're running those mid to intermediate depth routes, good hands, good catchers, good route runners, but they kind of lack that explosive, you know, top off the defense. So when you're looking at these bigger guys, these six foot two, six foot three guys, the three guys other than uh, the two guys that I have other than Nico Collins, here's a kid. I saw him at Ohio State. Then he ended up transferring down to Florida. This is a project. This is a kid who you're probably going to end up taking, putting him on a practice squad and seeing what you can make out of him. That's Travion Grimes, the kid out of Florida. This is just, he was a, he was a top athlete coming out of high school. The kid's six foot four, 220 pounds. And he's a physical wide out. He's just, he likes to mix it up. You know, there was a weird situation. It's not really for this podcast to go into what happened and why he ended up going from Columbus down to Florida. But this is a guy who I just think is just starting to touch the, the, the talent that he has. It's, He's a guy that I think you come in. He's that bigger bodied guy that you're maybe grooming for a couple years down the road. The other kid is Josh Palmer. He's 6'2", 210 out of Tennessee. This is a kid, again, you're looking later in the draft. You're talking about a guy that just, I think, has a lot of upside. 
So those are the two guys that I kind of like in terms of the big bodied, a few, maybe a medium sized guy, we'll call him uh, Cornell Powell, who's a six foot, 210 receiver out of Clemson. He had his best game, I think in Ohio state, I think he had a ton of catches. I don't remember the stats off the top of my head, but he's a guy that initially people talked about maybe a day one or day two, he's fallen a little bit. I just, I don't see him going until day three. And the other two guys are she Smith, the 5'10", 190-pound kid out of South Carolina, and Cade Johnson, who's a 5'10", 180-pound kid out of South Dakota State. So these are just some guys to kind of keep your eye on. To be fair, we're, we're still a month out from the draft. We're still got a lot of pro days. We're still in a lot of the collection of data. But these are guys that, you know, when I turned on college football and I watched, they, they ended up catching your eye. You wanted to learn a little bit more about them. So over the course of the next weeks, these are guys that we're just going to kind of star an asterisk. We're going to run a little bit of extra kind of due diligence on just to see, because we know the Browns have some later round day three picks and we could see them go with a guy like, you know, a Travion Grimes or like, you know, a K Johnson and just say, put them into the fold, let them develop. You're not expecting anything from them. Kind of what we did with Donovan Peoples Jones last year. Right. Mate, spot on. Mate, I am, um, I do this year because of the combine. I haven't really been following it that much, but here's two names for you. Okay. Or one name I'll go with. I'm going to be watching this guy. He's a Brown. Diami Brown. Uh, yeah, we talked about him a little bit yesterday. Diami Brown, the kid out of North Carolina. Yeah, so I reckon watch your space. Maybe go a bit too early, but he could float around there. Who knows? But there's one name I'm going to be looking out for during the draft. There you go. A fellow Brown, a.k.a. Paul Brown, a.k.a. Diami Brown, a.k.a. Cleveland Browns. Hey, you never know. It's something that could happen. So, but, you know, hopefully everybody's having a good time for this draft season. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, our plan for the show, we're just going to kind of go position by position. Jack's kind of been spearheading. He's the one with the most time of any of us. Uh, you know, he's a little tied up this weekend, either literally or figurative. We, we haven't figured it out yet. Um, but yeah, we're going to kind of run through the position groups, go through the draft. You know, we're going to continue to Jack's going to look at things from more of like, a, you know, a PFF analytical standpoint, how a signing like that impacts from a salary cap standpoint. I'll be the person that kind of is watching the film, seeing what type of football player there are, because in essence, there's a lot of times you can make a lot of things look good on paper, but sometimes you just turn on the tape and it just, it just doesn't do it for you. So, you know, other than that, uh, any other NFL news, I know I, the Ravens are doing the opposite of the Browns. They're going out and getting old injured wide receivers like Sammy Watkins, but you know, was there anything you've seen in the, uh, the wonderful world, the wonderful world of the NFL that made you. Yeah, I think, I think the, the Ravens picking up uh, Sammy. Who have the Ravens lost in the offseason? And, you know, who have they gained? Well, the thing with the Ravens is, is they were in that weird position where they had a tackle that was kind of like, you know, if you remember right, the Orlando Brown kid was like, I want to play left tackle. I want to do this. I want to do that. So the Ravens have had kind of a unique offseason. I'll say that much. So Matt Judon, who was their pass rusher, he's gone. He went to the Patriots. Yannick Ngakwe was a guy pass rusher. He went to the Raiders. They brought in Kevin Zeitler, uh, Mark Ingram. He's with the Texans now. Uh, I'm trying to think any, anybody else they brought in. I'm trying to think other than Kevin Zeitler. Other than Kevin Zeitler, I can't think of a single guy they've brought in. But like I said, they've lost a few guys. Uh, their center, Matt Skura, he went to the Dolphins. Ingram, 
Yannick and Judon. Those are the four guys I can think of that most notably left. Outside of that, they've been just trying to keep their own. They kept Gus Edwards. They kept that big tight end, Tomlinson. I remember that one. Um, yeah, I mean, Derek Wolf resigned. I remember that one. Brandon Williams and Clayus Campbell also both back. So, really, they're just kind of running it back with a few extra guys. Yeah. And uh, Steelers seem to be very quiet. Well, you're talking about a team that's just strapped with, you know, for cash. You know, we talk about the salary cap being an issue, but, you know, after they brought Big Ben back, that just meant, well, Bud Dupree, he gone. Mike Hilton, he gone. Matt Filer, he gone. Tyson Alualu, he gone. I mean, they just, they kept losing guys left and right. And then they, I think the only guy that I could think of they brought in was, uh, they brought in the guard from the box, Joe Haig, and they brought in BJ Finney, the, uh, the center from the Bengals. So, <sighs> Steelers are going to be in a little bit of a rebuild year. There's no doubt about it. I think this is a good time for the Browns to jump up and uh, kind of seize control of that AFC North. Yeah. You know, I think the only thing, other thing to say, it's, it's nice, the interview that I watched of Higgins, you know, he turned down more money again to come back with Baker. You know, these are the players that we want with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, absolutely. Hollywood is a guy, he, he doesn't do anything particularly great. He just does a lot of things that are really good. And, you know, these are the type of guys that when you draft them in the fifth round and they end up hanging around for this many years, I mean, that's just, that's just a great job, you know, identifying a kid who, to be honest, has persevered a lot. I mean, he's, he's a guy, he's been in dog houses. He's been in the outhouse. He's been in the penthouse. I mean, he's pretty much been in every type of house you can possibly have. So it's good to see him sticking around. Obviously he's a guy that's in the locker room that the guys like and respect. And hopefully he just, you know, maybe keeps his head on a little bit straight. We don't need any drag racing. I mean, I understand you got a trail hawk Hollywood, but, you know, maybe uh, maybe hold that one back for a little while. I'll just finish up with it's really nice hearing the pundits saying that they feel that the Browns free agency has been a, a solid grade. You know, people are saying that we are winning um, our division with the offseason season. Uh, free agents that we signed so that's great obviously it doesn't matter what grade you get in the draft or free agency it matters what you do on the field yeah absolutely it's nice to see that they're finally saying that the free agents are going to the browns because they want to win and not get paid so you know in the spirit of duffin we will keep to our 15 minutes so hope everybody has a great week um and enjoy their sunday and uh, most importantly go browns go browns <laughs>